I think what's key, David, is understanding how each staff member reciprocates and how they want to be in, and how you're going to, what's the best method of getting ideas or communication or feedback from them. On today's show, our guest is Pedro Martins, the co-founder and technical director at Totality Services. We're talking to Pedro about why adoption is actually the hardest part of technology and that tech itself is rather easy. This is Tech Talks, your twice-weekly technology podcast with myself, David Savage, where we talk to leaders from across the industry and bring you some tech news and opinion. Welcome to today's show. I'm joined by Akish and Amber. How are you both? Good, thank you. All good. good. How are you? Looking forward to the unseasonably warm weather at the weekend. Yeah, it's meant to be nice, isn't it? Sun's out at the moment as well. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's lovely. Um, sunny. Went for a little stroll earlier. Puts you in a good mood, doesn't it? Puts you in a better mood. How far did you? How far did you walk? Uh, pff, mate, I mean, pff, half hour, thirty-five minutes. Little stroll. Nice. To not not little not st- too far. Nah, nah, mate, not too far. Staying local, uh, as per the rules. Just we just went to Good. pick up some lunch, and then came back. So it's all right. What'd you have for lunch? Uh, nothing exciting. It was just a blimmin' uh, meal deal. Actually, it was. <laughs> I really fancied a meal deal, so I was like, oh, well, I'll just take a little stroll for lunch and uh, yeah, bring it back. Christ, a meal deal is probably the highlight of, of lockdown, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah. It's yeah. as good as it. You gets. actually miss it. Oh. Yeah, you actually miss it. You miss meal deals. It's taken a pandemic, but you miss meal deals. <laughs> what is the go-to meal deal? I'm always so intrigued by what people pick. Uh, so I went for a spicy bean wrap, um, and then I went for some sweet chili sensations, uh, and then for a drink I went for a Lucasade. Oh, is that a bit rogue? Is that a bit rogue. I wouldn't have put you down as a spicy bean wrap man. Uh, I'm I'm not I'm not but but if he listens to this uh you know him pretty well Dave Amber may know him Joss uh who used to work uh with us he was the one who got me into it um who was our resident vegetarian for a long time in the team um and it's actually one of my favorite things if if I was to go for a meal deal to be honest so yeah I can't believe we're discussing meal deals. I know. <laughs> we need this to end. Right, okay. On that note, let's go to a, let's go to the interview. Uh, today's guest is Pedro from Totality. Uh, we'll be back shortly with some commentary on it and then a bit of tech news and opinion. Joining me today uh, is Pedro Martins. Pedro, you're the co-founder and technical director at Totality Services. How are you this morning? I'm very well, David. How are yourself? Thank you for, first of all, thank you for, for having me on the show and for inviting me. It's a great pleasure. No, no, no. Thank you for your time. Uh, look, for anyone who's not familiar, who are Totality? Right, so Totality Services are an end-to-end IT support company, uh, primarily based out of London where we support our customers, both from sort of startups right the way up to sort of more SMB, potentially touching on SME markets. We just, we're basically an extension of their IT team, David. So we look after everything from end to end and assist them with anything technology-wise that they need help with. Out of interest, what what kind of customers are you picking up? Because this is, this is a, a market which is fairly mature, right? Although yeah. that said, there are a lot of businesses who, because of the pandemic, are having to embrace technology in a way that they hadn't done before. So I suppose, yes, it's a mature market, but also there's an opportunity for growth. 
Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of our preview, I mean, some of the customers that we have are, are well-known brands and we're, we're very proud to have them aboard and it took a lot of graft with the likes of Nietzsche, for example. Um, we've just had a company called Multiverse as well and we've got the Aldwych Theatre. So they're all respected brands as well. Um, and there's a, a raft of different customers that we've sort of acquired and built over the years. Um, the one thing that sort of uniques us for other than the customer support is that we, we, we don't really have a, a vertical specific sector. So there isn't a specific domain that we kind of target. We feel that technology has entered into all realms. So we kind of support mm -hmm. those customers. Within the growth of COVID, then of course, you know, I think that remote working has given the proverbial kick up the backside to certain customers to, to execute um, in a forced manner, so to speak, a, a, an element or a subset of their digital transformation. So all of a sudden we were completely inundated and you know completely stacked and extremely busy throughout the first three to four months post COVID with we're trying to get organizations set up with remote working and so forth. Um, and I, th I think sub subconsciously what a lot of companies haven't realized is that that's pushed them into a digital transformation era because had they not been able to, to, to sort of work remotely in the most effective manner, I think that most companies or more companies sorry to say, would be in, in a lot more trouble. Um, and just to touch on the other point is, I, I it would be very interesting in, in sort of, you know, just to, to understand or, or what the consequences would have been had this happened sort of 15 to 20 years ago when technology was very different. Um, I think oh, from God, a, a pure interesting point. Yeah, no, I know, absolutely. And I'm, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful. Well, I think we have to look at some positivity in the fact that it's happened now where it was at a point technology-wise, a, a lot of products being used by the SMB, not just the SM, you know, the enterprise, um, the enterprise companies where you know they've been investing throughout since their inception in terms of disaster recovery. And they have budgets and scalability to actually work effectively within a pandemic, or at least certainly have relevant teams to 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 to, to perform that. In a way, dare I say it, we've been quite blessed and lucky. If I'm so to, there to say that, David, and it happened now where a lot of companies, yes, there was some impact, but it wouldn't have been as impactful, as disruptful, as potentially, you know, it, you know, destroying or, or certainly creating great harm to the business had it happened 15 years ago. Yeah. Look, let's be honest. We have to try and find some positivity around this and we have to try and talk up the opportunities because... If we don't, it's just going to be horribly depressing. I mean, it's one of those things that you, you you have to be kind of slightly sensitive to the fact that a lot of people are going through very difficult times. But without some companies profiting and spying opportunities and growing, the entire economy is stuffed. So we, we kind of need that at the same time. And I don't think there's any problem in saying that. So the fact that it has happened now and it presents an opportunity for, for tech. Look, when you talk about digital transformation, that's very much an industry term. Are you talking to businesses where it's like, you, you know, you, you can't talk in those terms. It's literally getting them online so they can do their stuff. Yeah, absolutely. When I say digital transformation, it's it, it's 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 not just about technology. It's pretty much about everything. It's the ability to to, to work remotely. It's the ability to have effective systems. It's a you know a subset of of of, of reducing you know an antiquated style of IT and and adapting a more agile and and, and model approach mm -hmm. and modern approach and security, right? Because that's that's the big key word that has been sort of been hitting the market. I mean, five years ago, everyone with the cloud. There's I find technology is basically. I was trying to explain this to my to my son recently in terms of IT and what's it all about and sort of the buzzwords. I was like, I think IT is predominantly built on ever, ever, everlasting or ever-changing technology 
which is fascinating, but there are buzzwords that are used to, to describe different eras of IT. So, for example, I think 10 years ago, it was sort of data center virtualization. Then from that, it progressed to sort of cloud. And everyone was throwing around the cloud. Around that time, everything was as a service, for example. Um, and that's, that, those were kind of the buzzwords. And then I think in the last two or three years, it's been more around sort of security has been the big focal point. Um, and that's where during COVID, for example, or even pre prior to COVID, we were really ramping up on some of the security platforms um, and systems. And even, and not just IT, David, it is about processes. It is about adoption, about how, how it's used. Um, the key point is, I, and I, you know, jokingly aside, we, we have it internally that I, it's going to be written on my tombstone and what I say in day, day in, day out is that the technology is actually very easy and logical. It's actually mm -hmm. the adoption that's the hard part in terms of, you know, colleagues, employees, um, organizations actually using the technology effectively. Yeah. And behind that, you have processes, you have documentation, you have I'll training and so yeah. forth. We've, we've seen that with teams in our own organization. We had it way before the pandemic, but no one used it. Um, look, you, you mentioned there about uh, data centers and virtualization. If I look back at your career, you were a data center systems lead. You were a VMware platform lead. You were a lead infrastructure architect. You've worked in this industry for a while. What was the catalyst for you to go, you know what? I need to bring a new company, a new service to the market and add some value. Oh, that's an interesting one. You make it sound like I'm older than I am, and I am. It's just when you look at time. I still feel young <laughs> at heart, David, put it that way. But there are days when I wake up and I still think I'm 22. I think that's just the memory. But no, I, I have. I, um, I, I purposely, throughout my career, I purposely set myself targets to move. So I did shuffle around for a bit after a certain period of time during my younger years because I felt that I didn't want to stagnate. And I think in IT, it's very easy to stagnate. And I appreciate and I respect individuals that do stay at companies for a certain amount of time. But I think that if you want to, to sort of get a full understanding of the complete IT world and realm, that if you move around or you certainly get to experience or even scale up in terms of what your, what your responsibility is, what you're looking after, what you're working on, the type of projects, the magnitude of them from going sort of locally to nationally to, to sort of globally, for example. And I, I thrived on that. And I moved around with some, some quite respectable organizations um i think it got to i think it, if i'm going to be really honest and candid i think it got to a point where i was putting in a very good shift at that time it is now even still it's sometimes is that i i had an ethos um which i know for my parents which is you work you work hard but you play hard as well so you can do you can have the best of both worlds and i was doing some of them predominantly work to an extreme side of things but i enjoyed it and that's that's something that i was very fortunate i still am I'm still very grateful for the fact that I wake up every morning and I really love what I do. And I did then, and I wanted to, to maximize as much as I could out of it in terms of learning and experience and dealing, dealing with different types of people at different levels of the organization. I felt that was very, very important because I thought it rounded you. It sort of gave you, um, you know, more exposure and it, it made you better at what you did, that you're able to communicate on different levels. And I think that's still one of the one of the most key attributes for any any employee, other than you know technology and and how you present yourself. But I think being able to communicate effectively and understanding who you're talking to, I think, is key. Um, it got to a point, I think, where I, I was working very very hard, and I just felt that I, quite honestly, I wasn't being rewarded as well as I should have been. I, you know, some I, I learned a great deal. I'll always remember those times, and I, you know, that helped me build my career and 
the way that I, I approached work processes and so forth. But I did honestly mm. feel that after a certain yeah. period of time, I felt like I was just a number on a sheet, especially certainly in the bigger, larger enterprises. And even while still progressing, I just felt it was a very, it became quite repetitive in my mind. And that's one of the, that's one of the major con- reasons that I did decide to set up Totality Services with my great co-founder Louis Navarro, um, as well as I'd always wanted to set up my own shop, so to speak, as well. How, how, out of interest, how many staff are there at Totality now? We are now on literally. I think we're getting to twenty-seven. You talk there about interacting around an organisation and communicating effectively. Obviously, uh, it's twenty-six people. You you can you can get the whole company on a Zoom, I suppose, quite easily. And and there's an opportunity for people to at least have exposure to each other. Um, but that doesn't necessarily equate to communicating effectively. Not everyone likes this format of communication. Um, so how have you tried to make sure that you're catering for everybody? Uh, and and really capture the range of views that that there are within your organization and give people the opportunity to make sure their voices are heard? It's a very good question, and it's not an easy one, but I try. I'm um, much to probably the dislike of some of my staff members. I like to put people out of their comfort zone. So I mm-hmm. like to be the you know, the, 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 the manager or the, the lead, I don't call the manager. I don't, I actually, I like to regard myself as part of the team. I don't really believe, I do believe in a hierarchical system, of course, but I like to feel that people are comfortable enough to come to you and treat them as an equal and treat them as, as human beings, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I, I, in that respect, I like to put people out of the comfort zone. What I mean is I don't want them to feel uncomfortable, but I certainly like to, to gently sort of nudge them and encourage them to be involved. And generally the approach that I take, it's not in a forceful one or pointing them out, but it's potentially in a more humor side of things and make it very light and potentially make it a little bit more enjoyable, whether it's a joke, whether it's pulling, you know, sort of uh, putting someone out in terms of, of a previous experience that I've had with them. And generally it's kind of trying to break the ice to make them feel more welcome in terms of, of engaging a bit more. Um, we also have to respect that not everyone is outgoing and engaging. And that doesn't necessarily make, make them unproductive employees. They could be just as productive, if not more productive. I think what's key, David, is understanding how each staff member reciprocates and how they want to be in and how you're going to, what's the best method of getting ideas or communication or feedback from them. And I think this is where humans are so unique that not, not, we're not all the same. So I think that's where the adapt, you know, in my years of, 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 of dealing with different people and sort of trying to, to break the ice or trying to, to get their, them to feel comfortable enough just to be able to engage with you. And that's where I think you have to be a bit of a chameleon to try and get the best out of different personalities and different characters internally. And even that applies externally when we're introduced mm-hmm. to new customers. I, for the life of me, can't work out whether this environment makes it easier or harder for someone to move on to a new organization. On the one hand, I kind of think, well, you're not you're not having to leave one office and go to another. You're sat in the same living room, so it's just a new computer. That's quite easy. But I think people are clinging on to elements of normality, and if they've been part of an organization for a little bit of time, it's it's difficult to imagine leaving that behind and getting to know a whole load of people through a video screen. Um, be interesting to know kind of where you fall down on that, uh, on which, which side you you think this is this is benefiting, and how your 
engaging with and keeping your team so that you know when you've got 26 people i would imagine losing one of them has a far bigger impact than say if you've got 260 people i agree so i yeah I mean, as you scale up it becomes far more you know far more time consuming and a lot harder work and i think we're going to get to a point where we will need to have more people in order to crew to, to, to sort of drive that ethos and that company culture and that's going to be another challenge one of the many that we face as sort of business organ you know or owners in terms of the right side we we look we, we've taken to doing sort of some social virtual events which have worked quite well i think we've done about three or four and all of them were surprisingly well received so that's quite encouraging we have we try and have regular meetings we had sort of a, a year, end of year sort of we're not sure down, but end of year call. And, you know, it's, it's the usual. I'm sure most organizations will have it. And again, we try and make it lighthearted in, in as best way we can. Um, I believe one of our guys, and we try again, in terms of the ideas that we come up for what we do on these calls, we share them out between some of the senior managers and even some of the senior sort of some senior staff as well. So it's not being led by one person all the time. There is, a, there is a notion of going out and understanding and thinking, okay, this time around, have you got any thoughts into what we can do and sort of varying it around. In terms of keeping them engaged, you know, I get it's, it's a hard question to answer in terms of whether this does become the norm and then people are going to be apprehensive to sort of move on. That's a, that's a possibility. I certainly hope it doesn't. And I'm, 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 I'm praying and I'm confident that it won't and that we do see as a glib, but sort of as, as, a, as a period in our times and we've had to just constantly work from home remotely, but still kept some engagement levels. Um, it's going to be hard to tell. Time will tell, David, but I'm hoping that it's just going to be a certain era in our lives that we will remember back. And hopefully, dare I say it, even, you know, say laugh about it but we can certainly at least have a smile around that it's all over and things are back to some sort of normality what what Mm -hmm. that normality will be will be interesting david whether everyone is going to go full into remote which i'm i think is a good idea but i think a lot of companies are sort of jumping the gun a bit and not thinking about the bigger picture um in terms of having the right environment at home to work uh having the right men you know the right mental state as well being cooped up in a room some people gravitate to it some people don't so i think there's a lot more thought process into whether this does become the new norm i don't believe it will because i think it needs a far a, a hell of a lot of work from a lot of organizations um and then in touching on your point about stuff that's an interesting one I think you just have to try and keep them as engaged as possible, incentivize them ways that they can with KPIs. Certainly what we do, we feel that that's working at present um, to the certain extent that we, we have a, a, a very low staff churn, um, which in turn helps us as an organization. It gives us the stability and it gives our customers, you know, the confidence and, and sort of, you know, the virtual hug around them to know that they've got similar people that, that are looking after them on a day-to-day basis. That, that makes customer feels, you know, feel, feel good. Let, let's admit it, David, I certainly like going to the, to the pub um, when we're allowed to and, and knowing that I'm getting served by the same sort of, you know, the same sort of people. Whether, you know, and you, you build up a rapport, you build up relationships and, and you're engaging, you're communicating as opposed to going to a pub that has someone different. That's me. That's that's my that's how I enjoy that experience more, and I'm we can see it yeah. with our customers. Absolutely, look, you're talking about customers there. You you talked about the fact that you've been introduced to some new clients during this this situation. Stickability is often that familiar familiarity rather, and and that feeling that certainly from a customer side that they're dealing with 
a supplier or um, an organization that understands their business. Building that understanding right now is a little bit harder. I, th- I think it's, I've said this a number of times on the podcast, I've, I've, I've heard it echoed by lots of people. You can determine through this format whether or not someone is is proficient or not. It's far harder to build trust and to, to truly like someone when you haven't met them and you haven't sat sat in a pub or whatever it might be, right? Whichever, yeah. However you like to socialize. So how are you getting around that? Are you taking some of the stuff that you're learning in-house in terms of your own staff and, and applying that to customers or is it a slightly different approach yeah absolutely i think what, what we're trying we had a trial we had a method that was working exceptionally well up until you know even prior to covid we had uh, amazing growth year on year out the staff to, you know the staff retention was really really good it was impressive so we were keeping hold of our staff we were we were growing our customer base we're improving on what we do um, it was being recognized, for example, through some of the awards. I think we've tried to apply the same principle, but in, in, in a virtual manner as best as we can. Okay, so it's actually interacting on teams and so forth, not being able to go to face to face, but still applying the same principle, still trying to, you know, still trying to break the ice, trying to create a, a comfortable, you know, a, a comfortable call, a comfortable atmosphere, however best you can do it. And, and, and building on those skills and those principles and models that we have and just trying to to make them more unique, I guess. In a way, it's a bit more personalized because you're, I, th- I find in a way, in an office, there's a lot of people around. I think on a call, sometimes there's a little bit more privacy because it is one-to-one, you know, or one-to-two or three or four. Um, mm. And you get to see, I, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a very different environment, put it that way. But I wouldn't say that it, it's 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 immensely different. I'd say that our approach is still working. We are still winning customers, and we've won some fantastic customers last year. So we've just tried to to sort of maneuver what we were what we were doing previously to COVID or prior to COVID into this sort of virtual world where we can. And and it, surprisingly, it's worked quite well. I actually hadn't thought it would work as well. I actually thought that there wouldn't be too much confidence in sort of customers moving. Um, and that that was from a, a personal outset, even on internal meetings, management meetings that we had. I was like, this is going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Are people just going to be, are going to stick to what they've got at the moment, irrespective of how bad it is? Or are they going to be brave and think, okay, I am actually, I do want to find a new IT provider because the current one isn't fulfilling our needs, isn't providing customer support, isn't doing what we feel is right or commercial for whatever reasons that they have and venture out. Mm. And we have had, interestingly enough, a large number of customers or certainly new customers reaching out and leads and so forth. And we're still getting them, David. So I'd like to think that, that you know, that the British public and British business and organizations are are taking that approach of let's roll our sleeves up and just try and carry on because that that's certainly the notion that I'm getting. Well, look, it's been a pleasure to speak to you this morning. It's, it's great to hear confidence, opportunity, positivity. I think that those are obviously things that we need and, and fingers crossed we can get back to a world that all of that feels more normal anyway in um, not, not too far into the future. Uh, but thanks for your time. I hope you have a lovely day and fingers crossed things continue to go well for Totality. Thank you very much, David. Appreciate it. And uh, thanks to everyone for listening. Where should we start? We should start with him talking about the fact that he likes to be put people out of their comfort zone. Um, is that something that you like being done to by your manager? Um, I think I think so. It, it, it's good, isn't it? it? It depends how you take it, though. I think some people, it, it depends who you are as a person. Um, and, and I think you some people thrive on it and and they're challenged to to kind of come up with new ideas and and new ways of kind of working so yeah 
I don't know. It really depends, I think, on, on, on what they're asking you to do or how outside of your comfort zone it is. It's a tricky one because I think kind of like in previous years, it's a no-brainer, right? You build team spirit and you get people out of their comfort zone and you help expand their skill sets and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, great. I think this year, if anything, everyone's been out of their comfort zone and it's making sure that everyone's kind of okay as opposed to making sure that you're outside your comfort zone because obviously you are. You sat in a room on your own all day, every day, like kind of that that in itself is enough to put you out of your comfort zone. I think I think it also depends on um I think it also depends on on kind of what the team spirit is because I think at the moment what what you're finding and a lot of people they they've got their own kind of struggles um and they you know they they a lot of people are challenged mentally I think for the first time in terms of their out of work commitments so whether it's kind of homeschooling whether it's looking after some relatives you know or whether it's kind of dealing with being ill or, or down themselves so i think i think it's kind of very different but but i think i think if if, if we're challenged at work as well it just helps and it? it get gets kind of stimulation going mm. changes things yeah. up as well yeah i agree i think like you said at the beginning i think it's a case of like it's good to be challenged and it pushes you um it kind of gets the juices going a bit doesn't it, it makes every day different it kind of sort of mixes things up but I think yeah with a bit of a crazy year sometimes you might just think everyone's out of their comfort zone anyway let's just kind of give us a break a little bit do you know what I mean but I don't think it's a bad thing it's always good to be pushed to push yourself or be pushed by someone else how readily do you think you've adopted to new technology over the last year uh badly I think personally yeah Yeah, I'd I'd say so we've had this chat on here isn't it like I only got a I only got a Revolut card well, last year, um, for the first time. So, I'm I'm quite one of those takes time to to adapt to change and all that sort of thing. But, um, yeah, with with all this new tech, I mean, pff, I've had my struggles. I'm not going to lie. I don't know. What about you, Amber? I'm yeah. I'm same as you. I'm I'm pretty rubbish with tech, to be honest. Like this guy and what he does, I was so intrigued by it because I was like, I would be the first person to give him a call. Like, I, I feel like I speak to the tech team in our business quite a lot. Like, I'm rubbish with, yeah, it just, it just takes me a while. So, um, yeah, I, I don't feel like um, I'm the most sort of tech-savvy person that there is. And I feel like the, the people that he's trying to sort of target, I am one of them. And I feel like that's why I'm yeah. yeah. I think it's a good business. It's a good idea. 100%. 100%. Just, just, I, I had the help desk guy on, on uh, a few days ago helping me change my password because uh, I kept on ignoring the reminders. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> and then one morning when I tried to log in, I just couldn't log in. I'm thinking, oh god, what have I done here? And then oh, he's come back. Inspired. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, little little kind of things like that, you know. Just yeah, it's just what I may find kind of you know just a bit annoying and and possibly a bit lazy and not do it. I think people like him would definitely help. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought I thought it was a really good point that he made that like tech is actually easy, but the adoption piece is the hardest part and that's probably true because like if we don't use half these tools and services you just forget how to use them like it, it took us ages to get teams working in the organization well it took a pandemic for everyone to start using teams we had teams as i said in the interview we had teams like a year before the pandemic and no one mm. used it and mm. even then it's like trying to get everyone to use things like sharepoint and stuff it's really hard i can't remember for the life of me half the functionality i can't use sharepoint because I, I don't know how to put it as non-password protect. So every time I put something on SharePoint, <laughs> thinking, thinking, oh yeah, I've done everyone a favour. I get a million and one emails going, oh, we can't access it. Oh, give us access. I'm like, oh no. So I spend the day just like granting people access. 
I can vouch for the fact that Amber was was having some technology struggles because she uh, she had a conversation with me on Teams earlier, but her, her camera wasn't working. So yeah, and I think I realised what it was. I think I genuinely just didn't didn't click my camera on. Like I, I think that's literally what it was. <laughs> so <laughs> I kept saying, "Is that because it was like nine o'clock in the morning?" And you're like, "No, no, 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 not yeah, yet." Yeah, well, not usually yet. when I go on to the call, the camera's just straight away on, so I don't even check it. I don't even really have to do anything for it. But this this call with you it just didn't come on and I was like oh my god like I don't know what's going on it must be broken and it's just a case of I hadn't actually clicked it so um yeah that's that's <laughs> proving how tech savvy I am I didn't even work that one out yeah so adoption's the hard part right good um <laughs> do you think that people's careers are in danger of stagnating more than they were this year I like I thought his point about you know you don't want your career to stagnate and that's why he keeps like moving and and now why he started this company is quite interesting because like, I don't know, this this year it, it would be quite easy to kind of get stuck on your own, in your own little kind of tunnel and maybe stall a little bit. Yeah, I think so. I think it's a hard one, isn't it? Because as you say, like, I think he obviously does it to kind of keep things fresh. And like you said, he doesn't want to stagnate, which is completely understandable, but I, yeah, I agree with you. I think over this period, so many more people are going to feel like that. They're at home, they're isolated, they haven't got like the buzz of the office or the motivation of the people around them. Um, so yeah, you, you probably would just get a little bit sort of like fed up at times. And then if you're feeling a bit fed up in your job, you'll start to obviously look elsewhere. So it might not necessarily be the mm. position. It's just the case of like you're feeling on your own. But of course, everyone's kind of in the same boat at the moment. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a tough one. I don't think I think like the winter as well doesn't help. I know that sounds really silly, but when it's a bit gloomy outside, again, people just get a little bit fed up and then you probably look into things a bit more and you probably just assume that, oh, I'm really fed up with my job. But it might just be a combination of so many different things. You haven't got to necessarily just sort of jump ship and move on really quickly. Because um, I guess when mm. we go back to the office, it might be, you know, a lot better. And, and naturally you start to sort of fall in love with your job a little bit more because you see your colleagues like, the excitement's bad. It's, I don't know. It's a tough meal. One. Deals aren't the highlight. Exactly. Meal, meal deals aren't the highlight. Yeah. <laughs> but also, I think I think I think you, you kind of just feel a bit revived, right? To to kind of do do something and and it, you, you get that spring in your step again. Do you know what I mean? Whereas I think at the moment everyone's a little bit like, well, it's the same stuff. It has been the same, you know. Um, but I think just just little things will will, will kind of help. Do I think careers will be stagnated? Probably not, because I think there's still a lot of opportunity and I think a lot of organisations have grown massively and, and, and rapidly as well this year. Um, and we've seen that with the kind of growth, whether it be kind of in terms of revenue, whether, pe- you know, people, new products, all these sorts of things. So I don't, I don't necessarily think it will be stagnated. I think, I think there will be an element of um, just maybe, you know, people... Uh, carrying on on the same trajectory as they started before mm-hmm. lockdown, but I think you know the way the market is bounce is going to bounce back, or what we've been told, you know, it, there will be a massive kind of boom in the next kind of coming year or so, or, or couple of years. So I think it's all to play for. Fair play. Look, I think I think we'll we'll move to our advert break. We'll come back in a minute with a bit of technology news. But Pedro, thank you for being our guest on today's show. Uh, we'll be back in a moment. A couple of years ago, Michael and Jacob, two friends from London, were both thinking about their consumption and sustainability as a whole. Michael, a professional footballer at the time, realised he had no options when it came to sustainable sportswear. Overconsumption and underuse was all too common. Hilo was born, a sportswear brand fighting for the planet by changing mindsets. 
They've started with a running shoe made with seven natural materials, and the shoe can be recycled at the end of its life. As a company, they've offset their carbon to beyond zero, making them carbon negative. You can find out more about Hilo and support their mission at hiloathletics.com. That's H-Y-L-O. We support the Hilo movement. Bit of tech news for you. Uh, have you seen what Facebook have done in Australia? No. No. No? No. So this is well, amazing. This is, when I say amazing, obviously I don't mean amazing. But um, <laughs> so it's been all over the news last couple of days that Facebook um, were basically going to uh, ban Australian news because the government there wouldn't back down on new media laws. So the Australian government were basically forcing the likes of Google and Facebook to pay small publishers for access to content, right? Right. Facebook decided that that wasn't what they wanted to do. And so they decided to ban all Australian news outlets on Facebook. Except Ooh. they screwed it up. And not only did they ban a whole load of stuff that had nothing to do with news, including charities the day before a vaccine rollout and healthcare organisations, they also accidentally banned themselves. What, Facebook banned themselves from Facebook? Yes. How? <laughs> they, they blocked. They blocked themselves. They blocked their own pages on their own site. Wow. For users in Australia. Yeah. Now, look. Why? The reason why I'm bringing this up is because not only is it quite funny, uh, but there is some serious point around here that that basically um, asks questions about regulation. So Facebook were challenging imperfect regulation because they were basically trying to say, well, hang on a minute, the regulation you're bringing in to redress the balance between small publishers and the, and the dominance of like the big players was basically the be was going to benefit people like Rupert Murdoch, in their view, mm. to be perfectly mm. blunt. And they might have a point there. Um, so they, they wanted to basically try and point out that it was poor regulation and therefore that they would retaliate. Problem is, by retaliating and botching it so badly, probably all they've done is highlight the need for regulation. Mm. Well, that one backfired, I think, didn't yeah. it? <laughs> I, I think if they were trying to lean down the whole, oh, we don't need regulation, we just kind of monitor it and all this sort of stuff, and now it's like, oh, actually, you've just shown that you, you need something in play. Do you know what I mean? You've just kind of proven it. Um, yeah, which is, which is very all, interesting. All sorts of random accidental stuff like they there's an election coming up in western australia and they banned one of the party pages but not the other oh, one yeah and I, and I bet you the conspiracy theorists are out there as well with uh with regards to oh, oh, this is most this likely. is cambridge analytica again and all this sort of stuff and you know triggering votes um we've talked about it a million times on here though ain't we dave about kind of social mm -hmm. media about these you know kind of whether it's governments that need to get involved whether it's kind of you know, people that actually need to come into play and, and, and give these regulations, that sort of thing. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm really torn by it. I, I do think that regulations need to come into play and we've seen it here, right? And forget the news, but you know, stuff around kind of people trolling and, and, and mental health and racism and all these sorts of things. I think these social media companies need to be, you know, kind of regulated a bit more. Do you know what I mean? I don't, that's, that's why yeah, I it's a tricky it. one because we have spoken about it a load of times, and here we have an here we have an opportunity to see uh, a government trying to bring in regulation, codifying um, how 
those technology giants access um, news and trying mm. to give a bit more power back to publishers. Um, mm. it, it's been deemed to be not brilliant regulation, but it's it's regulation. Um, and then Facebook have, have reacted badly and scored a massive own goal. And now mm. there would look to be the need for regulation where possibly they could have, like Google have been a little bit more savvy about it and have yeah. put themselves in a pretty good position, whereas Facebook have just shot themselves in the foot. Um, and it does kind of suggest that the government has done a bad job of regulating. And and again, big tech have proven themselves incapable of self-regulating. So what's the answer? And it may well yeah. be that it's it's self-regulation, but at the minute that doesn't seem to be a particularly clear solution. Hmm. Crazy. Crazy, crazy times. Let's, let's yeah. wait and see what the next uh, cock up is, right? For um, well, for Facebook, they also what you will like though is they accidentally banned um, the I think they banned the Australian Cricket Union. Ooh, it's quite enough. quite funny, really. As you know, as English cricket yeah. fans, but never mind. Do you know what I found <laughs> out the other day, right? And I didn't know this about cricket. I didn't realize it goes on for like five days. Oh God, here we go. <laughs> You've only just discovered this. I genuinely have only just discovered this. I've never really paid an awful lot of attention to cricket. And then I was having a conversation the other day, I don't know how, with, with someone about cricket. And they were like, you know, I think they said, yeah, it goes, I don't even know how it came up, but they said that it goes on basically for five days. And I did not know. Were they that. saying it in, 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 in the context of it goes on for five days, which is magnificent because it's this really attritional, interesting, complex tactical battle? Let's not get into your opinions here because, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, those five days are probably the, the most beautiful kind of five days at any given time in the month for me. Ah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> as, as, as many, many of those that work closely uh, with, with me know, you know, if, if there's, if there's a test match happening, I'm pretty much absent from the office, even if I am in the office uh, for those five days. <laughs> Um, which is one of the good things of working from home because you could watch cricket all the time. You got to remember that your your manager might be listening to this, Akish. So, um, oh, he he, know. he knows. He 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 said to me the other day on our morning call. He went, Akish, can you please turn down the cricket at least whilst we're having our team call? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, sorry, sorry about that. Let me, let me just turn it down a little bit. <laughs> I think he might need to put you out of your comfort zone, mate. Yeah, <laughs> he might need to tell me to go into the office. <laughs> right on that note on that note uh amber go watch some cricket you oh, might discover yeah, that, that you was, really love it and uh, the afternoon put, put, put a time in my diary amber i'll help you out there <laughs> we will be back next week <laughs>